Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. we got one of the really interesting off-season topics here today. Uh, joining us to talk about roster stability is Anthony Reinhardt of the OBR. Anthony, how are you doing? Pretty good, Ken. How are you? Uh, very, very interested in this topic and even more interested when I heard in our production meeting here that you're an actuary by training. Yes, yes. I, uh, I studied actuarial science in college, worked a little bit as uh, an actuary for the first few years of my career. I've since kind of moved on to other parts of insurance, but uh, yeah, an actuary uh, in, in training only. Okay, well, very good. And, uh, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's always interesting to see what people who dip their toe in the career then end up doing because some very uh, impressive people anyway. But you're more of a data science guy now, is my understanding? Yep, yep, that is the case. And the topic you have for us today is related to roster stability. I'm really interested to hear what your conclusions are. But why don't we start with your methodology and how you how you came about this, why you decided to study it, and then what did you actually study? 
Yeah. So um, I think that, you know, in, in kind of the public football data space right now, we have a lot of, of very cool data at, you know, kind of play level, game level, season level, but a lot of our uh, kind of player level measures are lacking. Uh, some of that is because this stuff just isn't as exciting as kind of being able to see the, the moving dots uh, that, that next gen stats has or um, some of the, the really cool EPA cuts that folks can come up with when they combine charting data and, and some of our, our um, production level uh, play stats and, and that kind of stuff. So um, I kind of set out as one of my offseason projects that I wanted to really get a better landscape of what roster moves look like between teams. So I found a website, um, the football database, that's uh, footballdb.com. They have some pretty good transactions, uh, transaction logs for uh, players and teams. I was able to to do some web scraping, take that off their website and uh, kind of manipulate it um, through through some of my own means to recreate uh, team rosters at any given point in time. So, the, the, the main point in time that I wanted to start with was that 53 day, that 53 player uh, cut down day. So I wanted to, to kind of start use that as a starting point and uh, look at some roster stability stuff, um, other kind of descriptive uh, roster stuff, how many how many different players by each position are on each team uh, on average, um, average age of players um, on each uh on each team by year. And then this one was um, obviously kind of uh, how many players are new to the team compared to the previous year. So I was able to go back all the way to 2013. So um, the first year of this graph is 2014. So it's the first dot on the left side shows uh, how many new players are on the team in 2014 that were not on the 53 man roster at the start of the 2013 season. And then it goes 2014, 15, 16, all the way to uh, 21 on the far right. So um, I, I think that it's uh, it fills a little bit of a gap in the uh, the football data space where you know, I, I feel like we were able to uh, get a chance to give give people some some information about how teams move players around. Okay, let's talk methodology a little bit, and I'll, I'll just put my finger up what I have a point to make. You give outstanding descriptions of things, but uh, in terms of methodology. Uh, the 53 man roster is extremely fluid. Uh, so you have to, you have to kind of pick a, a set of criteria, a, a criteria, criterion criteria. Yeah. You have to pick a set of criteria uh, that, that uh, makes sense in terms of determining which 53 you're talking about. How did you go about that? Absolutely. Yeah. So um, the kind of the, the starting point I wanted to go from was that 53 man or that, that final roster cut day where teams, you know, I think last year they went from like, 80, I think it was down to down to 53, um, about a week before the regular season starts. Um, that's kind of a day where I think it's a it's a crucial point in the roster transition process where you know players can either um, be on the active roster, be placed on IR where they can't come back for the rest of the season, mm-hmm. or they're you know waived and available for any team to pick up at their current contract. So. Um, teams really have to prioritize the players they definitely want to keep. So I think it, it really gives a sense for the, the 53 players that teams think are most important that they want to be most protective of um, at that point in the season. Then obviously after that, you have the next day, everybody gets signed to practice squads and, and the teams kind of uh, build out from there and then maybe make a few more moves before week one. 
But I just think it's a it's a reasonable point in time to say this is the these are the fifty three most important players that every team has that are helping you play in the regular season. Go ahead. I, I, I agree logically with what you're saying. I will say that the Ravens are special in with regard to manipulating the fifty three at that exact point. And you mentioned it's it's an extremely important date for teams because they have to decide who's not playing for the entire season. And it's been a typical. Um, technique for a lot of teams who have a player they like from the draft, but they don't think it's really ready to contribute in the NFL this year to stash somebody on IR for the year with a mysterious Amoria phlebitis type injury. That's the what Bart Simpson got sick with at one time uh, to, to avoid a test. But they but they uh, come up with a with a mysterious injury at the end of camp. Well, the Ravens also have, uh, you know, players in their first four years, as you mentioned, can be picked up by anybody and they have to go through a waiver process so they can get claimed. Players, veteran players who are in year five plus, and I know you know all this, Anthony, I'm just describing it for some other folks, have to have to uh, if they're cut, they're available to anyone immediately for negotiations. But they're also are typically vet men guys on everybody's roster, usually core special teamers, maybe some backups at certain positions uh, who are excellent candidates in years five plus to be cut and come back on a handshake deal. And the Ravens have notoriously done that year after year. In fact, I think some of the roster rules for this year have actually been set with the Ravens in mind uh, in terms of cutting the number of IR returns you can have per year. Uh, so you, you, what you're seeing here in your graph would be the would not include an Anthony Levine type player who's been cut, I believe, now multiple times uh, at the at the deadline and brought back for week one. Correct. Yeah, he he would he would count as a he wouldn't actually count at all. So he wouldn't be unless he was on the fifty three from the prior season. He wouldn't be a, a new player or an old player. He would just be you know set set aside for the purposes of this analysis. Okay, so small difference, but you know when when teams have you know relatively few players that are that are changing, I would wonder how that would how that might impact it. it might be actually create additional stability. I, I wouldn't know how to analyze it honestly right off the top of my head. Tell me a little bit more about methodology before you get into some specifics. Yeah, so um, so so like I said, wanted to start at that that fifty three man point because I feel like that's um, important. But I, I feel like kind of what you're what you're looking at generally here is um, you, you can kind of see. I think uh, a, a trailing indicator of success or a leading indicator of um, a rebuild coming on the way. Um, you know, I think you can kind of see like teams like the Texans even, um, you know, they're obviously had a quarterback that they really liked and then, you know, got, got rid of them essentially prior to uh, last season where, you know, that, that led to them engaging in a major rebuild, which was um, a leading indicator of a rebuild. But I think you have some, um, trailing indicators of success and that like if you're not retaining players from season to season you are, are probably failing already um mm-hmm. you know i, I think you, you might look at the uh the, the panthers where it's like you know they uh they've been bad so they're just cycling through players a lot of times um, mm-hmm. uh, and then you can see other teams like you know the steelers are, are typically a very good team as we know very well um, and they don't end up cycling through players quite as often because they uh, have either drafted well or, or are good at retaining their free agents. Another point comes up in just what you've mentioned is that teams who have relied heavily on the compensatory draft formula, and the Ravens are one, are going to have more draft picks than others. The Ravens almost never cut a draft pick. Uh, it, it has happened, but it's, but it's, it's very unusual. Uh, so they find a way to get them onto the 53-man roster, 
And yet their numbers are still remarkably low in terms of the number of changes, even though by by definition, each of those draft picks is going to be a change. Yeah, no. And I think that's something that really surprised me when I, I looked at the Ravens a little more in depth is that, you know, they, they have had a ton of draft picks in the last four or five, six years or whatever. I, you know, they have a, what the most. Uh, the most comp picks since they introduced that uh, to the to the draft. So it's like, you know, I, the Ravens, you know, bottom threshold for the number of new players they bring in every year is pretty high. Um, but you know, they're they're letting a lot of their talent kind of cycle through on a on a regular cadence. And I think it it points to the Ravens being a team that is very good at, at future planning and very good at drafting. Is the we're seeing a kind of the red line there is from 21 players, maybe? Yeah. Uh, change per- 20, yeah, 21 and a half, I think, is where it okay. lands. Yeah. All right. Well, terrific. It's, it's nice to have a red line. Is that, does that represent the, the entire NFL average? Then? Yep. Yeah, that's the, the orange line there is the entire NFL average. So you can see that the Ravens are, I think, they are probably at 22 in, uh, looks like, 2017, where it's mm-hmm. kind of, you know, they're, they're uh, bombing out by the Ravens standards where I think they were what, like probably seven and nine that year or something like that. But uh, yeah. And and in 16, you're saying they were, yeah, I think they missed the playoffs. They were, I think nine and seven. Okay. But anyway, it's, it's a, that's excellent. I think this should be very encouraging to a Ravens fan to see this little. Now a a typical team that's letting every player from their draft class graduate and it, it Speak, you know, obviously they ran for four years and then let him go would turn over 13, 14 players per year uh, to, to, to cycle through their, their 53 in that period. So I, I think it's relatively remarkable to have only an average of 20 per year over that period. It is. I mean, especially like you said, with, with how many draft picks the Ravens are making every year, which is probably close to close to double digits. So, um, you know, you're you're talking about a baseline of ten players probably that you're pushing out every year uh, and bringing you guys in. So, um, the the everything that's left from that is is not um, you know not a ton of players. It's probably a few free agents here and there. And I know the Ravens have had their share of uh, you know one year guys who they are you know hold on to to get a comp pick like. John Brown or, or Yannick, um, uh, the team at, at any given time, which I think is encouraging from an organizational standpoint. Well, this is this is fascinating material. Now, you showed me a slide related to age. Otherwise, sure. that that would be interesting to look at. I think. Yeah, I've got uh, this one here that that shows um, the average age of. Uh, each team at that 53 man cutdown point. Um, the average age across the league for this time period is about 26 and a half. So that's where the middle of those bars are. And if the bars are lower, that means the team's younger bars are higher. That means the team's older. And then I have the, the rank there. I don't know how well you can see that. I don't know why I have plus signs in the axis here. I'm still, I'm trying to remember why I did that, but um, you can just ignore the the plus signs there. But yeah, so I I think this points to the Ravens being a relatively, you know, average age team over the course of, uh, you know, the last nine years or so, which is, you know, when you think about a team that's not cycling through a lot of players, not getting too old is probably a a very strong indicator of success. And that, you know, the the players that are cycling in are probably younger players, uh, Mm -hmm. which we know because the Ravens have had a lot of draft picks. 
Yeah. Okay. And that's and this is average age of the fifty three man roster on Sunday of week one. So did you change the definition oh, yeah. for this one? So, yeah. So it's the it's the roster on the cut down day, but it's the age on week one Sunday. So it's gotcha. The, it's not their age on that day, but um, okay, it, it's you know that plus a week, so it's it's pretty close. So, so going back to the previous point, the, the Ravens have probably manipulated their age a little younger than what they actually field because they've they slipped a few rookies onto the roster on that cut down day, and Anthony Levine and a couple other you know long term uh, players that they're going to bring back on handshake deals who are you know can be thirty years old often are guys they replace them with by week one, so. Uh, we might see them slipping up a quarter of a year or something in, in terms of, of average age on the roster just from something like that. Right. Yeah, that, absolutely. Okay. Fascinating stuff here. Absolutely great charts to look at. Uh, really, the Browns have been tremendously young as a team. I yeah. Know, you, you, yeah. When, you, when you're bad, you know, you're, you're often very young also. So mm-hmm. um, just because you're, you know, you're, you're, you're taking as many rookies on as you can, probably a, a handful of undrafted guys are in there somewhere. And then, um, you know, you're, you're, there's no sense in keeping on, you know, older players other than, you know, I think it's 2015 there where the Browns had uh, a, a pretty good season. So it's, uh, oh, 20. 2015, I guess, would have been a, a season that they were going to try to, to win for before the uh, the nightmares in 2016 and 17. But um, yeah, I, I think that you know when you when you're not good, there's no sense in keeping guys that are that are over 28 years old on your team. So you have a lot of young guys, a lot of draft picks that you're trying to keep around and develop. But uh, you know, you can kind of end up in a death spiral that way. Do, do you like that as far as an organization? I do very much to basically ask the question for every player is, can he contribute to the next uh, championship run we have? And it doesn't have to be actually, you know, going to the Super Bowl because I think that's too lofty a goal that people expect. But as a fan, what I want is a team that will contend for the playoffs every single year. Oh, yeah. And I, I kind of think, you know, citing the Super Bowl as your goal is maybe a little bit unrealistic. I think kind of the best, the best cross of kind of luck and I think skill is maybe making it to the conference championship game. So as long as you're making it to the conference championship game, we're getting close to there. And those are the kind of players that are getting you there. I think that's kind of what you want to target in my opinion. And I think it's, it's hard to keep a lot of guys that are, you know, too developmental right on the 53 man roster, because you need almost all those guys to contribute in some way, unless they're just like a backup quarterback or uh, yeah, a long snap or something like that. So One more just fascinating thing catches my eye in looking at these charts is that the Rams have been an exceptionally young team. Now, we think of them as, you know, the reincarnation of the George Allen Redskins of the 70s, where they would trade every draft pick to get veterans to play. But the Rams have must have supplemented their roster with a number of other young players around this core of of outstanding aging talent. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's a really, you know, I think that's something that this depth of data really helps us get at is kind of ascertaining um, what do team rosters look like from top to bottom? We know that the Rams have, um, you know, three or four guys that are are paid top dollar and are, you know, the best at their positions and like, you know, uh, Donald Ramsey um, cup, and you can even throw Stafford in there. Uh, So it's, you know, they're, they're obviously spending a lot of money at the top. Um, I think that, you know, when you do that, you obviously have to spend uh, less at the bottom of your roster. So the Rams have had a lot of late draft picks and they, they have had, they've had more draft picks, I think, than people 
uh, give them credit for, but they've also retained those draft picks over a long period of time. And I think that um, when you think about a, a team that has somewhat of a similar uh, strategy, although they go about it different ways, maybe the Saints where um, they retain a lot of older players uh, over long periods of time. Some of that is, you know, kind of kind of their design of their cap strategy. But um, you know, you you really need your draft picks to hit when you when you have them. So um, the Rams have been able to to kind of get some depth from unexpected places in those draft picks, and um, it, it was obviously a key to their success last year. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm wondering if the Rams have been a team also, like the Ravens, that have had some UDFAs make the roster as well. Because, it, it, yeah, most of it happens via draft picks for sure. But uh, you know, the Ravens had a long streak that was finally broken of having a UDFA on the roster for week one every year. And I'm, I'm wondering if the Rams, because of their uh, the exigencies of the cap, that the, you know, the, the difficulties they're put in by, the, by their own cap strategy, might have been forced to, to add some UDFA talent. I suspect that is the case. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it kind of forces them into a corner where they don't have a ton of picks um, and don't have a ton of space. So it, it, it kind of seems like the, uh, the best scenario for them a lot of times is for a guy who's in the, you know, 40s, late 40s in the, the kind of pecking order is uh, an undrafted guy for them. So it's uh, which, you know, maybe, maybe there's something to that where, you know, you just you don't need to put a ton of uh, of, of assets into that. Uh, that kind of part of your roster. Okay. Outstanding stuff. Any other slides you have to show us here? Uh, I don't think I have anything ready just yet. I am kind of having the pipeline, some interesting stuff on undrafted players, since that's kind of what we ended with. It's uh, mm-hmm. maybe a good segue, but uh, kind of interested in, in taking a look at um, whether or not we can predict uh, how likely an undrafted player is to make the team based on the players that are currently on the team, the uh, guarantees that the team gave the undrafted player at the time they signed them. And then um, maybe some kind of a draft ranking um, since they, they didn't end up getting picked, but that's still probably an indicator of, uh, of value. So that's something I'm kind of looking into this week. I may write about it later this week for the OBR, but um, yeah, that that's kind of where my head at, my head is at for this uh, kind of data set. I'm I'm looking to explore a lot more things in this space. That is an absolutely fascinating theory that I'd love to have you back on to talk about. If so, when you're ready to go on that, please let's have a discussion about that. I I would love to hear that. That's you're combining factors I think are not only pertinent, they're 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 probably central, including especially the uh, the dollars paid, because the pool is limited in terms of, of how many dollars you have to pay for your UDFAs. And you often have these bidding things going on where you've got multiple coaches on the phone with individual players and uh, you know, Ozzie Newsom, it was the one thousand dollar at a time uh, increase per UDFAs that he'd be handing out all over the building and, and trying to get these guys signed. But that process, it, it just be fascinating to really be a fly on the wall as that process is occurring, right. you know, across it. Definitely. Well, Anthony, absolutely terrific having you on. Brilliant topic. This is, by the way, exactly what we're looking for when we ask for film study shorts. This kind of analysis uh, is, is terrific. In fact, it's it, to, to set it at the Anthony level would be to set the threshold too high. I'd love to hear from all, all other people who are passionate about a topic. But, Anthony, tell us again where folks can talk football with you online. Yeah, so you can follow me uh, on Twitter at uh, Ryan Herdler. That's R-E-I-N-H-U-R-D-L-E-R. Uh, or you can read uh, some of the stuff I'm writing at the Orange and Brown Report, uh, Brown's website. Um, a, a lot of my stuff is, is kind of behind the paywall, but I'll have a few things that are um, 
that are public reads. So uh, I'll, I'll be sure to keep putting those out there on my Twitter account. But that's where you can uh, as you can find my work. All right. OBR, some terrific writers. In fact, the Browns fan base, just outstanding in terms of their love of football and their desire to analyze it. Uh, I enjoy going to those boards a lot. And uh, we have Jake Burns on the show fairly often. And uh, uh, he's a great guest as well. Really love having him. Anthony, uh, we thank you for joining us. Other folks out there, if you want to do a film study short, hit me up with a DM on Twitter. Uh, they're always open. And I'm always looking for people who are passionate about a Ravens topic. If we can go into it deep in about 25 minutes, just like Anthony has, that's perfect. Uh, so it should be narrow enough to do that. If you want to give me your whole uh, theory on roster building, we're probably going to have to do that over multiple shows, which is okay, too, if you if you want to do that. But anyway, Anthony, thanks again for coming on. Thank you, Ken. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.